right, thank you, Pastor Tiffany. Kids are heading down for a great morning. Well, it is good to be back with you. We were away for a Sunday for about a week, and uh, some of you are like, I didn't even notice the guy was gone, but hey. No, we were actually away, and uh, it's great to be back. We had our older son, Coulter, and his fiancée staying with us for a, a few days, for a couple weeks, actually, as uh, they have a conference to attend. And so it was a great opportunity to be able to head down to Washington and introduce her. Uh, her name is Sydney, as m- many of you have met her introduce her to our relatives because most of them won't be able to get out to the wedding which is this October it's all the way out there in Ontario and uh, I guess um, you know I guess we could still love Jesus and live in Ontario right (laughs) even if you're a Maple Leafs fan Um, but they're heading out there and a lot of people won't be able to make that long trek and so we drove down and on the way back uh, we thought you know we could spend the night because it's six hours from Spokane to um, Birch Bay, where my mom lives, just across the border. And then from there, to get to Prince George, it's about eight and a half hours. So, you know, you do the math, you're looking at nearly a 15-hour drive. And uh, we did the six hours, but we thought, we don't want to spend the night in Abbotsford and then just have to drive the whole next day. And let's save $100 on a cheap motel and just do the whole thing in a day. So we did that. We just mortared through and got home close to 3 a.m., so if I'm a little punchy, if I'm not all there, forgive me. Uh, we'll try to be firing on all cylinders for you today. But actually, I do feel rested. It's great to be back. Thank you, Pastor Tiffany, for uh, doing such a great job last Sunday. And I know you had a great time together. Yeah, let's give her a hand. Why not? She's great. And this morning, we are continuing our series on power to change. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20. I want to make mention that if you are a guest here, we're so glad you're here. There's a little friendship card in the seat in front of you. Take a moment, fill it out. Just stick it in the uh, offering container in the back foyer. We'd love to get better acquainted with you. And also, that can double as a prayer card. And of course, we have uh, our online prayer uh, app as well. And so let us know. We do look at those prayer requests. And just so you're aware, currently, what our prayer chain is looking like, in case some people are wondering... Uh, you know, we have to kind of reorganize that because it, it, uh, it kind of went a certain way and then there was a shift of, of leadership and so forth. There was an interim where there wasn't a lot going on. Do send in your requests. Uh, what we do Tuesday morning, our men's prayer group prays over those and then they will also be forwarded to our leadership team, our board members, so that they can pray. So there are prayers that go for those requests. And of course, as a staff, we also cover those in prayer. And uh, in the days ahead, we might reformulate our, our prayer chain similar to where we had it. But for the time being, our interim system is we have groups that are praying. So we are partnering with you in that. Acts chapter 20, power to change. As we are wrapping up in the next few weeks, this series, we're looking at lives that have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, how many know that's the Holy Spirit that does the work within you? Amen. If you ask Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, it is his Holy Spirit that comes and dwells in you. That's what 1 Corinthians 3.16 says. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he has the power to change us, and he transforms us from the inside out. We have to partner with him, and when he tells us to do things in our heart, we need to say, yes, Lord, and walk in compliance with him so that that transforming process can continue. But as we do that... He makes us more and more like Jesus every day, and he will do great things in and through you and work in his power. 
So this is what it says, beginning with verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Let's just pause for a moment. You're talking about being long-winded. You know, some preachers are long-winded. I'm one of those guys where I try to say what I need to say within 30 minutes. Every once in a blue moon, it might go more than that, but you can count on this cowboy where I'm going to get you out in good time to beat the Baptist to the buffet. So you'll get there in good time. You can beat them and make sure you get all the fried chicken while it's fresh. So I usually get, you know, within 30 minutes, I'm going to say what needs to be said, and uh, I trust it'll be anointed and encouraging and challenging all in the same time. Uh, but some guys will go on longer. Some churches, they might preach close to an hour. Imagine Paul going several hours until midnight. I don't care how much caffeine you have in your system, that's challenging to stay awake. So this fellow was sitting up in a window. They're all clustered in this house, and he was up high in another story. And this is what it says. He preached until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. Poor guy. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. In other words, he died. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. This young man came back to life. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and had talked a long while, even until daybreak, he departed, and they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. So, Lord, we pray for the next few moments. Open up our hearts and minds. Lord, help us to understand your word. Help us to apply the principles of your word in a practical way that we would live pleasing to you, Jesus. Just move in this time and accomplish your good work, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So point number one this morning is this. We are called to come together as believers. Now, remember, this was during a time of great persecution for the church, right? Paul was formerly Saul, and he was one of those advocates of tyranny. He was one of those that were rounding up Christians, and under the emperor Nero, Christians were being beaten. They were being thrown into the Colosseum to be shredded apart by lions, and depending on where you lived, the persecution might be stronger than others, so they had dispersed they were hiding out in places. They were trying to stay alive and still spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Great persecution was happening during this time, and yet that didn't stop them from coming together. In fact, Hebrews 10, 24-25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And of course, we know, as we just talked candidly, during COVID, you know, churches were asked to shut down, and yet they weren't fully shut down because through media, through social media, and online services, we're still able to minister to one another, and actually even in smaller clusters. And there, most churches said, okay, we'll, we'll do that as long as we can still minister to people and know that you're trying to protect us. We understand that. Um, so others decided, no, we're still going to meet, and they had to deal with certain consequences for their actions. I believe every church and every board and every pastor has to do what they believe God is calling them to do. And uh, so this church followed the same pattern that we did down in Burnaby when we were pastoring there. And I, we were still connecting with people in smaller clusters, in those little bubbles. Remember the bubbles? 
So thankfully, we were still able to meet. And keep in mind that in the New Testament church, they weren't having massive gatherings. You know where they were meeting? In houses. They were house churches. So we do love our gatherings. We're so grateful we're back together, and we hope to stay this way. Uh, but the reality is God's people are going to connect and meet one way or the other because he is building his church, and nothing will prevail against it. Amen? And of course, if authorities ever say, don't live for Jesus, well, that's where we draw a line in the sand because we know that we're not going to bow down to any kind of tyranny that would try to force you not to serve the Lord. Thankfully, our government is still saying we have freedom of religion, freedom of speech. And so I just wanted to talk candidly there for a moment. And I think it was, a, you know, it was a good path that the church decided. And you know what? When the doors opened, people came back and they were still ready to roll and still ready to praise the Lord. You know what COVID did, though? It made us much more grateful and appreciative of the opportunities we have in this country to come together in a large gathering. Amen? Rather than take it for granted, like some people did, oh, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. You know, the, the, the lake is calling me. Hey, I, I love fishing too, and if you got to break away once in a while, people go on vacation, that's okay. I'm not talking about those vacation times that come on occasion. I'm talking about people who make a pattern of just dismissing church just because they don't feel like it. And we took it for granted. So all of a sudden, then you didn't have the ability to come together those freedoms were removed for a short time. And now that they've been opened up again, it's like, I am so ready to connect with my brothers and sisters in Christ and praise the Lord together. Amen? We should appreciate that. How many are happy we can come together and say amen? Oh, that was kind of weak, folks. How many are grateful we can praise the Lord together and say amen? Amen. amen? That's the American coming through in me. I'm going to get loud sometimes, so you can get loud with me. We're up here in Prince George. We don't have to be all prissy and polite. We can just have fun, right? We're going to have a good time. Amen. Okay, power to change. We're called to come together as believers. And this is what Hebrews says. Don't forsake coming together. You need to connect, whether it's in groups of two or three, whether it's in groups of 10 or 20, or whether it's in groups of 150 or whatever it is. Come together. We need to encourage one another, strengthen each other. Iron sharpens iron, the scripture tells us. We can do it in different ways. Small gatherings, large gatherings, special events, one-on-one -on -one or with large massive meetings but we need to come together why because we were created for relationship did you know that you were created for relationship not to live alone on an island all by yourself that might sound good but after a few months of that or maybe a year you may be like man i need some contact i'm starting to go stir crazy i'm getting nuts in my own mind we are created for relationship the vertical with God and the horizontal with each other, right? Uh, the, we we got to have relationship with one another and with the Lord. That's loving God and loving people. God calls us to come together and foster healthy, godly relationships. He provides reconciliation, grace, and forgiveness, and now he desires us to follow those same practices. Healthy relationships requires grace. It requires patience, at times forgiveness, and reconciliation. If you're not willing to forgive and reconcile, then you're going to have a lot of stagnant relationships. You're not going to have too many friends. But through grace, through love, through reconciliation, we can have healthy relationships. Uh, why is fellowship important? Do you ever wonder that? 
Why did God create this concept of fellowship? Well, we just introduced our new slogan, which is sharing life in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that they would have life more abundantly. That's the whole reason he came. Not so that we can have, you know, constitution and bylaws and churches. Not so that we can have cell groups. Not so that we can, uh, you know, have rules and regulations or, or this or that. He came to give us the abundant life that he designed, he created for you and me. To have freedom, to have joy, to have love, to have peace and purpose and power and living through the Holy Spirit. Life to the full. That's why he came. And so we have this acrostic, right? Loving God, L, and loving people. I is to invite others to know him. And F is fellowship. And E is empowerment through prayer, praise, and, and discipleship in the word. But F, that's one of the important core values, fellowship. Why is fellowship so important? Why did Jesus tell us in Hebrews not to forsake the fellowship of yourselves together? And so much the more as you see the day of his return approaching. We need it now more than ever, amen? We need each other to encourage one another in the faith. Well, it's important so that we can receive care, so that we can receive support, encouragement, accountability, and even enjoyment. It's okay to have fun, amen? Christians should be the most joyous people on earth. If, if you walk into a church and there's nobody smiling and there's no joy, that's why I, I encourage our worship leaders, man, when we come in, let the first course be something that we can move to, right? We want to have joy and happiness, and, and we have great worship leaders. They do such a wonderful job, and you can feel the presence of the Lord in this place. But we need to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because we get enough of the negative stuff Monday through Saturday, Sunday when we come, we need to be rejoicing and it helps to recharge our spiritual batteries so that we can face the week. And then of course, every day we feed our faith as we spend our personal time with the Lord. So we're called to come together as believers. He didn't say it just to do something on Sunday mornings, to have something to do throughout the week and a midweek. Jesus knows that we need each other. And he created us for fellowship. He created us for relationship. A relationship with the Lord and a relationship with each other. Loving God and loving people. The great commandment he gave. Number two, we are called to communicate God's truth. To communicate God's truth. Paul spoke until midnight. And he was communicating the truth of Jesus Christ. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was discipling them in the Lord. And so we're called to do this. Most were awake and attentive. But at least one man fell asleep, and then God used that, turned it around for good, for a miracle to give him glory. How do we communicate? Now, there's a quote that I've quoted, many pastors have quoted, uh, witness all the time, use words if necessary. St. Francis of Assisi, and they boldly quote that from St. Francis of Assisi. You know, he actually never said that. That was not an actual quote. If you drill down and you do the fact check on that, you'll find out that was not a quote from him. Somebody said it at some point, and it's a good one, but it's also a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? Witness all the time, use words if necessary, almost like our words, you're just going to turn somebody off. You're going to make it a little bit uncomfortable. I remember going to a, a, a pawn shop, and uh, I, I like going to thrift stores and on occasion pawn stores and getting good bargains. I'm a bargain hunter. And we were living in Quincy, Washington, and there was a guy there who was going off about the church. 
And, uh, and he was saying, ah, I don't believe in that stuff. I, he, I think he found out that I was a pastor. Yeah, I don't go for any of that religious stuff. And, uh, and it was spoken out loud. And I, I can't even remember if I said it or if the person behind the counter said it. But I think I said it. It's been so many years. But this is what was said. You know what? If you're right and I'm wrong, all I did is live a better life you know, a better life of being truthful, being honest, loving my family, loving my wife, trying to be a good citizen. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you're in trouble, buddy, because there's a heaven and there's a hell, right? And it's like, and it gives you food for thought. But don't be afraid to speak up. Witnessing all the time, yes, we, our actions do speak louder than words. Don't say you're a Christian and then go like the devil and live like the devil during the week. Uh, if, if you go to church with God's help, strive to live like Jesus. We do make mistakes. We're going to blow it. We all do. But with his help, we become more and more like him. He molds us and shapes us, molding that clay day by day into something more beautiful, more wonderful, more usable for his service. And, 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 but don't be afraid, though, to speak up and take a stand for Jesus. Say, yeah, I do believe there's a God. That's Okay. I do believe there's a God. And you know what? I find that when I pray and I talk to God, he encourages me. I feel better. You know, you don't have to get all super theological about it. Let me get you through the four spiritual laws and uh, let me drill down and give you our 16 fundamentals of faith that we believe is a Pentecostal symbols of Canada. And let, you, know, you don't do all that. You just say, man, I, I'm thankful there's a God in heaven and, and I know him personally. And I know that he hears my prayers. Can I pray for you? I, I tell you this, when somebody is sharing to you their problems and they're giving you difficulties that they are dealing with, if you say this simple, you know, I'll, I'll pray for you. Most of the time, they're not going to say, don't do that. 90% of the time or more, they say, well, thanks. If I'm dealing with something difficult, my family, somebody's sick, somebody is out of work, and I don't even have faith, but this person does, and they say they're going to pray for me. Why not? I'll take that. Seriously, they will be thankful. And that's all you have to start with. You know, I'm going to pray for you. And then if he opens up the door and you have opportunity to share more, share more. But don't be afraid to use your words because people need the good news. In fact, what does the Bible say? How lovely on the mountains are those who bring good news. This is what Romans 10, 14 says. How shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Without a preacher. In other words, a speaker. You don't have to be a pastor. Just somebody to share the good news that there is a God who loves them. And he hears when we pray. And his son Jesus came to save us for our sins. I tell you what, we need to witness all the time. Actions do speak louder than words, but part of our actions is our words. Use them if God gives you the chance. Amen? Everything you do communicates a message. So our words, our actions, our deeds, but even your body language. Did you know that? I can tell when my wife is happy with me and when she's not so happy with me. It's like, you know, honey, will you get me another cup of coffee? Well, okay, I guess so. And, and uh, if I don't spring up right away, I might get a little bit of a, <sighs> but if I, oh, sure, babe, I'll do that. Thank you, honey. That's so nice of you. And, you know, even just our body language. You know what I'm talking about? I went out to a meal with a pastor 
friend of mine, and he's a good guy, and he pastored a church down the lower mainland. But when we went to our local restaurant, I was kind of appalled <clears throat> at his body language because, try not to get feedback through that, he slumped down into a, a booth, and uh, the waitress came and ordered the food, and he said, yeah, I'll take that. All right, I'll take that. And he was so impolite. I mean, the opposite of friendly and congenial. And, you know, I don't have the congeniality award all the time myself. I know that. But I try to be friendly and nice and say something fun or encouraging. And, uh, and I was just kind of surprised. This is a different persona than what I see in the pulpit. Because in the pulpit, he could be real dynamic. But out in everyday life, out in the local restaurant, when he and I went out for a meal, uh, it's just a, kind of a different guy. And he wasn't trying to be rude, but he was just very unfriendly. You know what? Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, 16, that we are called to uh, shine. It says to, uh, to, to live as under the Lord and shine so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Shine bright for Jesus. Amen? He told us in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt <clears throat> loses its saltiness, what good is it? We are called to communicate his truth through our words, through our actions, even through our body language, through our personality. Let's shine bright for Jesus. Amen? The, war, the, the world needs <clears throat> his truth and his love. So we're called to do this. Now, it's interesting. Sometimes things don't go your way. Pardon me. <coughs> when we were uh, in Spokane for this last week, we had two barbecues that we put together so that we could get our family together and they could meet our new soon-to-be daughter-in-law, Sydney. So we drove down from Prince George and we went to uh, my mom's place in Birch Bay. She lives in a little gated community and uh, they have a clubhouse there that you can rent. So we rented the clubhouse so there'd be enough room to accommodate everyone. And we had about 24 relatives come, aunts and uncles and cousins, had a great time. Uh, a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And then that night we drove to Spokane. And the next day we went to church Sunday morning, my wife's home church, Valley Assembly. And after that we had another big barbecue at uh, her older brother's house. They used their backyard. So we bought the food, but they provided the venue. And we had about 30 people come to that. So another big hamburger fest. And, uh, and that was lots of fun. And afterwards, though, we were helping clean up. Most people had gone. And um, I hate it when I owe anybody anything. I don't like to be in debt to anybody. I don't like borrowing things because if something happens to it, you're on the hook for that. Anybody can relate to that? Like, just don't, don't loan me your mower. Thank you, but no. I'll cut it by hand with a machete if I have to. I'd rather not borrow it because if something happens to it and I break it, then I have to pay for it. And I just don't like doing that. And we were... We were cleaning up afterwards, and she had this glass lemonade uh, holder, basically, whatever you call it, a big jug that holds the lemonade with a little spigot on it. And so I brought it in. I said, hey, Patty, should we save this, or do you want me to dump it out? I said, oh, dump it out. So I'm dumping it out in the sink, and sure enough, the glass lid falls off, and psh, it just shatters and broke it. Oh, I broke it. I'm sorry. Oh, no, don't worry about it. But... I don't like that. So I went and got $20 out of my wife's purse. Don't worry, it's a joint account. 
And, uh, and I insisted on giving it. She argued, and I argued, and she dug in, and I dug in. I said, no, we want to pay for this. So I paid for the jug so she can buy a new one, and we finished cleaning up. We went home. And they given us the invite, saying, now, anytime this week you want to go swimming, come on over. And even if we're not here, just use the side gate because they had a pool in the back, and it gets hot in Spokane. It's like triple digits, right? And that's Fahrenheit for all you Celsius-only people. And... Uh, and so it was hot, and so a couple days later, we called over, yeah, come on over, Barry's heading to work, he's a state trooper, he was heading on his job, but uh, the gates open, in fact, we had the code to the garage so we can just come through that way. So we all showed up with our swimsuits and towels, jumped in the pool, had a great time, and uh, we were now sitting on the side of the pool, drying off, and I hear this smash, and I turn around, and the umbrella that I had opened up that was in the glass table. The wind had picked it up and it torqued it and it just smashed the glass top. I'm thinking, oh great, so there's a hundred bucks I'm gonna be out now to replace this dumb thing. And it was a pile of glass, like little teeny pieces, just this huge pile of glass. It's a miracle of modern science how it happened so quickly. So then for the next half hour, we're cleaning up glass with shovels and brooms because they have grandkids that come by we didn't want anybody cutting their feet so we had to clean up all the glass we swept it and swept again and hosed it and spot checked it made sure everything was nice and clean and uh, and so this happened and so we had to be truthful we could just say well we don't know how it got broke or we didn't undo that umbrella and that must have been on you guys but no obviously we took the hit we we owned up to it, so we drove back home and got some money, put it in a little thing, and came back and taped it on their door. So here's for the, the glass table now. Sorry we broke two things in one visit. <laughs> and they were so gracious, and it was an older table. It wasn't worth that much because it was probably 20 years old, and uh, they wouldn't let us pay for that one. She said, I will send your brother back in uniform because he's a state trooper. You're not paying for that table. We were going to get rid of it anyway. So praise the Lord for that. So we have to be truthful. And even when things don't go our way, right, we always want to try to honor the Lord and do the right thing. And we communicate who we are when we're out in the marketplace, when we're encountering, encountering things that maybe... Uh, aren't so good. Things happen that we don't expect, that we didn't anticipate, and how we react, how we deal with it, how, how we continue to serve the Lord in that time, that's a testimony. So we witness all the time, but use your words and also apply action to your faith, as James 1.22 says, that we need to be a hearer and a doer of the word. That's communicating the truth of God. Finally, number three, we are called to comfort those in need. Not only was Paul used by God to heal the dead man who fell, he was used to bring comfort and encouragement to the believers who were troubled. I mean, this guy fell however many stories and hits the ground hard, gets killed. And so how horrible that would be. That would put a damper on the meeting, wouldn't it? That would put a damper on any church service. If somebody dies in the service, that is all of a sudden going to change you know, the whole tone of that meeting. And, uh, but Paul, he thought, you know what? This is an opportunity for God to show his power. He prays for the man. He gets healed. He comes up alive. He winds up taking nourishment. And so now it's a praise report. Now this story can go out through the whole region. 
how many people are going to get saved because of this miracle, amen? And it says that they were more than a little comforted. In other words, they were greatly comforted. They were encouraged. Not only is Paul sharing us the truth of God, we see the power of God at work before our eyes. How many believe that God is still doing miracles today? I want to encourage you, don't stop praying for big things because we have a big God, amen? And, you know, we have folks dealing with different things in our congregation, and yet we also have testimonies of healing work, testimonies of God's power and provision in the midst of our challenges. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we pray to a big God and believe for big things. Take heart and have faith and allow him to work in your life. We should look for opportunities to comfort and encourage others in our day-to-day lives, amen? Especially when things don't go so good. And my sister-in-law, she was a good encouragement to me because I was ready to fork out some more money. It was basically all the American money we had left in our wallet. We'd take it out a little bit before we came. And, uh, but we were prepared to do it because we wanted to do the right thing and pay for this table. And said, don't worry about it. It was an old table. Barry thought that thing might break sometime anyways, and we wanted to get something different. What an encouragement and a blessing. So we feel better. And they said, now, you can still come over and use the pool again. I thought, no, I'm not going over there again. <laughs> not unless there's a big crowd of people. I don't want to be responsible for anything. But thank you, though. But they encouraged us. They showed grace in a time of a difficult, uncomfortable thing. So we look for those opportunities to encourage and comfort others. Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. You know, we can't go through life with tunnel vision, can we? But sometimes we do. I got to get to the store, I got to hit Walmart or Costco, and then I got to go pick up my son, and we got to get to work, do this, do that. And we kind of forget that there's people all around us, and God might just have a divine destiny that God-ordained encounter for you to speak a couple encouraging words to somebody's heart, for you to give a smile, to say, how you doing? Or, hey, I started to hear you. Let me pray for you. Or, I'll be praying for you. And just plant some seeds wherever you go. You know what the Bible says? Some plant and some water, and then God brings the increase. So those seeds that you plant, and who knows what other Christian might the next week or the next month say something else, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's working on their heart. But it started with you, and then it added with somebody else, and then again with somebody else, and this chain of events happened, and that person ultimately can come to know Christ. That's oftentimes how people come to the Lord. It's not through just a one-time thing. It's through a series of events. This is true. It's a series of events, it's a series of seed planting and watering, and at some point in time, they decide, I think it's time to get to know God. I'm going to give Jesus a chance. And they make that personal decision. So be looking for opportunities. Keep your spiritual antennas up. Keep your spiritual eyes open. Jesus said, look into the fields. They are ripe and ready for harvest. Are we looking? Helping someone is another way to comfort. Beyond our prayers and encouraging words, helping them tangibly, helping them physically. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction 
with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. If he's done something good in your life, pay it forward. Be a blessing in somebody else's life. Amen? If somebody spoke into your life one time as a young person, you know what? God has great plans for you. And, and there's good things he's going to do. You know, if God prompts your heart to speak that truth into somebody else's life, do it. If somebody was kind to you and gave you something free of charge, and, and now you're in a position to bless somebody else and give them something that they need, do it. Right? Be an agent of grace. As God comforted you, be that vessel that he can flow through to comfort somebody else. Amen? The reality is, time is short on this planet. You know, it's hard to believe now I'm in my 50s and I've got a son getting married and we're hoping that at some point grandkids will be following that. And, and I used to think 50s, 53 was so old. And now you're looking at me, some of you guys say, oh, Pastor Scott, you know, I'm 80, you're still a young guy. And yet people that when they're 25, they're looking at me and say, man, dude, you're old. I mean, you're past middle age. And it's all relative, right? But I'll tell you this, that I've learned now as I am in my 50s how quickly life goes. I kind of knew it in my 40s. I, it definitely hit home in my 50s. And uh, when I see now, you know, we're becoming empty nesters here pretty soon. We've got one son still living with us, going to school. We're hoping to hang on to him as long as we can. And the other son is taken off to Ottawa and pursuing his life there. Um, Time just goes by fast, doesn't it? You know the saying, the days are long, but the years are short? That's really the way it is. And who knows how much longer we have? We all hope we'll have another 20, 30, 40 years, but really each day is a gift, right? Yesterday's gone, tomorrow is not guaranteed. All you have for certain is today. So make the most of it. Live each day to the full for the glory of God. Amen? Live each day for Jesus Christ. And don't be afraid to say something, to speak up. Use your words. Yes, actions matter. But your words of encouragement, hope, and healing, as you speak the truth of Jesus into somebody's life, that matters just as much. How will they know unless somebody tells them? Can we all stand this morning? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and just begin to play that next song as we respond here this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes if we could. And just as Jason begins to play that song and Lisa prepares to lead it, let's just take a little inventory here this morning. Can we do that together? Dear Jesus, we thank you right now, Lord, for your love for us. Oh God, you love us so much. Jesus, you're willing to come from heaven to earth. What a sacrifice that was to give up your glory for a time. To come in the form of a little baby, to grow up to be a man, and ultimately give your life on the cross. Why? Because so many had to pay the price for our sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, your word tells us, is eternal life through you, Jesus. You paid the price so that whosoever believes in you won't have to perish, but we can have eternal life. The abundant life now and eternal life later in glory with you. Jesus, you pay the ultimate price. Lord, help us not to be afraid to, to not only live for you, but also to speak up and proclaim your truth. And if you're here this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to have more boldness in my life. You know, you have to 
Be discerning, because sometimes you can turn people off. We know that. And so you listen to the still, small, prompting voice of the Holy Spirit for when to speak up and for what to say. But he will prompt you, and it's up to us to say yes and allow him to speak through you, allow him to use you to be an encouragement to others. You say, Pastor Scott, I want more boldness, and I want to be more obedient to the voice of the Spirit of my life. And today, I am going to decide, declare, with his help, I'm going to do that. I want to commit that to the Lord today. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Amen. 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 Thank you. Secondly, if you're here, and maybe you know about him, but you know you're not really living for Jesus with your whole heart. I'm not talking about making mistakes. We all make mistakes. And he loves us and is willing to forgive us every time. But you know that he's not really the Lord of your life. And if he were to come back tomorrow, you don't really know if you'd be living with him. If you're here and you're in that position, say, Pastor Scott, I want to commit my life to Jesus. I encourage you to do it. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Slip up your hand and I'll pray for you right where you stand. Amen. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to pray right now. And I want, if you raise your hand, I want you just to agree along with me. In fact, can we do this? Can we all just repeat this prayer? And if you didn't raise your hand, you can be an encouragement for those who did. And it could just serve as a reaffirmation of your own commitment. But as I pray this prayer, pray and repeat this after me. And if you raise your hand, you pray and mean this from the bottom of your heart. Let's do it together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe that you are God's son. And I believe that you died and you rose again. Please forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for all my mistakes. And I choose to serve you, Jesus, as my Lord. Come into my life, and I will follow you all the days of my life. As I live for you as Lord. And Jesus, give me boldness. Give me strength and use me to stand up and speak up for you and to encourage those around me. Help me to live my faith every day. I thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. As Lisa leads these songs, if you would like personal prayer, I encourage you to come. And we have some prayer workers who are also able to come and assist. But let's worship him together. Let's sing this song. And then if you need prayer, come on up and I'll be happy to pray with you.